very often in, in, in the New Testament, in the scriptures, uh, the Bible, uh, the church is warned about false teaching, false prophets. Always says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you, you know, uh, like sh uh, wearing sheep's, sheep's clothing. So watch out for false prophets. Uh, all constant reminders we find in the Bible. You see, I think it is essential even today that followers of Jesus, we learn to distinguish what is the gospel of Jesus Christ from false gospels because... Believe it or not, there are false gospels out there preaching. And what, what I mean by false gospel is that they have removed Jesus out of the equation. Any gospel, any good news that removes Jesus out of the equation is no longer a gospel. Uh, when Paul writes to the, Corinthian, uh, to the Galatians, he says, I cannot believe that you turn into a different gospel, which is not even gospel at all. Uh, the Corinthians, uh, again, the Galatians were Christians, but they were t turning into a gospel of works. Gospel of legalism is almost like you can earn your salvation. You can do this and then you, you'll be a right. That's a, that's a false gospel because, uh, you know, it's based on what you do to be saved. Today, we, in our society, it, it's very predominant, uh, the, the prosperity gospel. Oh, you do this and God's going to prosper you. And, and all they preach about this prosperity and health and prosperity gospel. Which, those things are not bad, but that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is not based on prosperity and thing because, you know, Jesus even said trouble is coming and you might get sick tomorrow. So and then now they're giving people false hopes. So I think it's essential. I think every year through years we and, and times will get worse. We have to understand what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. Paul said, you know, in, in Galatians one sixteen. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for the salvation of anyone who believes to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. That's what I preached about last week. This idea of the power of the gospels for salvation, anybody who believes. The, the, and the word gospel truly means good news. The good news of Jesus. He said, I'm not ashamed to tell people about it because he has the power to change and transform lives. He has the power to bring salvation to people. And today, Paul, uh, we're going to look at a passage in 1 Corinthians 15, the one that Michael got read, read, when Paul, once again, to a different church, he wants to remind them of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my friends, I think constantly we need to be reminded because, because of what's going on in our society, we might be prone to forget what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. You know, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And this is what the apostle Paul says, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 15. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul writing to this church. Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as, as, as the first importance but I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. I want to remind you, my friends, that's exactly what I want to do this morning. I want to remind you of the gospel of Jesus Christ because, you know, even though you might be in church for a while, you know, I was listening to an to a, uh, a interview, this guy that he's, he, I mean, he's, he has written, he's an author, uh, he has written so many books, and he's a theologian and apologist. He defends the faith, and he's saying, that when he became a Christian, he grew up in the church. He said he never heard the gospel preached at church. 
And, and I, I thought he was joking. It's like, how can that be? Like, the church is supposed to be about the gospel, and you're in the church, and you heard every other sermon, but you never heard the gospel preach at church? And, and, and when I heard that, it's like, wow, there's that need. I mean, not because you're at church doesn't mean that you're preaching the gospel. And we need to understand that uh, uh, we as Staten Island Christian Church, we don't want to get away from what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. In fact, we want to remind you again, if you know already what it is, we want to remind you of the gospel that Paul said, talks about to the Corinthians. I will remind you of the gospel that I preach to you. Notice, the gospel is proclaimed, preach. And when it's preached, people are either going to receive it or reject it. When he writes to the Corinthians, he says, I preach to you which you received. And when you receive, you make, you, it's almost like you're taking a stand. You're making a stand on the gospel. That's where you're standing right now. In which you stand, he says. The church is, is established in the message of the gospel. When you believe the gospel, you take a stand on that belief, on that which you heard. So as believers, we're standing in the message of the gospel. We are being established by it. And notice he says, by which you are saved. I'm preaching to you the gospel which you receive, in which you stand, by which you are being saved. Paul says, he has the power of God for the salvation of anyone who believes. By which you are saved, the message of the gospel, the news, the good news of Jesus saves those who believe, who believe it. Now, Paul says, notice this. He says, if you hold fast to the message I preach to you, you're saved, but you've got to hold fast to that belief. You heard the gospel. And we know Paul says in Romans, faith comes from hearing. Have you heard it? Are you standing on that? Because sometimes you might hear that and you're not putting in practice what you hear. So it's, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, otherwise you believe in vain. That's why I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you. I proclaim to you. I announce to you. You believed it. You, you have taken a stand on it. You are saved by that gospel, by that message. But you got to hold firm to it. you got to not be swayed by it. Because now we have also prosperity gospel. It might look like the gospel of Jesus and people are turning away from it. We have this gospel based on, on, on feelings now. But I, I feel this way. And, things like, and, and Jesus is removed out of the whole equation of the message of the gospel based on other things other than Jesus. So we have to take a stand on that message message that we heard. Now Paul says that he received it. I delivered to you what I received. And what is it that he received? I love some of the letters of Paul, especially when you go through the Corinthians. Apparently they have informed Paul of some of the issues that the church was having. Because he would say, about what you told me, about spiritual gifts, about this. For I, even the Lord's Supper in chapter 11, he said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. What you're receiving, you're passing that along to other people. What we have, we pass that along to our children, to the new generation. So he says, I received it and I'm passing that along to you. As the first importance that Christ died for our sins. According to the scripture. Now Paul is laying out for us what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Like if you were to find out a passage in the Bible that really defines the gospel of Jesus Christ. is this one right here. 1 Corinthians 15. What is the gospel? That Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. Notice according to the scripture. He died. Now you know that one of the reasons Jesus came is to, so that he can pay for the penalty of our sin. Jesus paid... We say, Jesus paid all. We sing about today. 
He came to do away with sin. And you see, there are so many scriptures that, that speak about what Jesus will accomplish. He came, another word that the Bible uses is redemption. He came to redeem us, which is a term of buying us back to God. I want, I want to remind you of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He died according to the scripture. Uh, you know, one of the scriptures is Isaiah, Isaiah 53, 5. It says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment or chastisement that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are saved. He died according to the scripture. There were so many scriptures that said that Jesus would die. Even in Daniel, Daniel talks about that the Messiah will, will appear and that he will be cut off from the earth. You know, the Messiah will go through all those. I want, I want to remind you of the gospel that Jesus paid for, for our sins. We all are guilty of sin. The Bible says that we are sinful individuals and for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You and I cannot save ourselves because in order to do that, we have to get rid of sin. And you and I cannot do that on our own. There's no detergent or there's hand sanitizer that be able to eliminate the sin from your life. It's only the blood of Jesus. And he says, I want you to know the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins. What he did, he took my place, he took your place. And then now God will look at us and says, oh, they're holy, they're sanctified, they're guiltless, they're innocent of sin, all because of Jesus. And Paul says, don't forget that, I want to remind you that he died for our sins according to the scripture. And that he was buried, he said, and he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. Paul says, the Bible already told you he was going to do that according to the scripture, according to scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament. That he was buried. You know, we have religious uh, people say that, well, Jesus did not really die. He, you know, uh, there was people, <laughs> there were some uh, atheists saying that, you know, he, that's why he was able to remove the stone himself. And he got, you know, if the Roman people, if the Roman soldiers said that you were dead, you were dead. They were experts in execution. And, you know, and, and Jesus went through all that punishment. And, and he, when they said he was, he died. He was buried in a tomb. But on the third day, he said that he, he'll raise from the dead. And he did. According to the scripture. There were so many scriptures. Uh, in the psalm, it says, I will not see my holy one see decay. You know, everybody else who died will go through that. But I will not see my holy one. Talking about the Messiah. Jesus always, every time he announced what would happen in Jerusalem, he told the disciples, this is what the chief priest would do to me. But on the third day, I will rise again. And even to uh, secular people, Jesus told them one time that he, you destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Now people, they took Jesus literally and it's like, they were talking about the temple. It's like, I'm going to destroy that. He, Jesus was talking about his own body. You destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again. It's like, I mean, he's talking about the resurrection and at one time, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees asked Jesus, give us a sign. And they said, no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. Just like Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights, the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights. After the third day, he will rise again. Jesus gave plenty of evidence that he will rise again. But some of them, even the apostles, did not believe. I want, you, I want, you, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preach to you that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried, but he, raised, he was raised up on the third day according to the scripture. 
In Matthew 16, 21, when Jesus laid out, really, the plan, what was going to happen in Jerusalem. Remember, that's, this is right after G uh, Peter confessed Jesus to be this, the Christ, the Son of the living God. When he asked the question, who do people say the Son of Man is? You know, Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus began to tell him, hey, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And then he says, the chief priest. You know, from that moment on, Jesus began to tell the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. He said that to the disciples and you see what I'm talking about? Not being able to pay attention. They did not get the whole raising from the third day. All they heard was he's going to be killed. And Jesus, every time he talked about his death, he always talked about his resurrection. And the disciple Peter said, no, that's not going to happen to you. On the third day, I'll be back. And he did. So Jesus resurrected from the grave. You see, the resurrection truly is the pinnacle of our faith. It's, it's the anchor of our faith. Because Paul even said, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, our preaching, our faith is useless. Why are we doing this if Christ did not rise from the dead? I mean, really. You know, pack up your Bible. Just do what, just, there's no hope of resurrection. The, you know, after you die, that's it. There's no life after, you know, but, if, but he rise, he rose from the dead. So Paul says, you know, if he did not rise, then our preaching, our faith is useless. Our faith, Christianity, was based on that belief that Jesus rose from the dead. That he resurrected. It's interesting because Jesus did not just resurrect. He appeared to his disciples. He appeared to his followers. Uh, look at what the text says. And again, keep in mind, because at the end of the day, you're going to memorize that. I want you to know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? That Jesus Christ died for my sins, according to the scripture. That he was buried, and he was raised on the third day, according to the scripture. But not just that, he appeared to his followers. He showed himself to them. Look at verse 3. And that he appeared to Cephas. Cephas is... Peter, Peter is really a nickname that Jesus gave to Cephas, which means the rock, not Dwayne Johnson, Peter. <laughs> See, the, he was the rock, Petras, uh, Jesus calling, oh, you, you, you Cephas, Simon, P Simon Peter, you know, so sometimes Paul says Cephas, but this is Peter we're talking about. He appeared to Peter and, and then he says, and to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. More, more of whom are still alive. You, you see what Paul is doing here? He's saying, if you don't believe me, check out those witnesses. When he wrote this letter, there were still people that witnessed Jesus, that Jesus appeared to them and said, he appeared to more than 500 brothers, and some of which are still alive. You can ask them. They've seen Jesus. The importance of Jesus resurrecting, from, you know, he resurrected. But remember what happened the day of the resurrection. The disciples were still hiding. Because they, you know, and the women go to the tomb and, you know, we always talk about that at Easter. They go, hey, we, the Lord's not here. The angel says, why do you seek for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you? He already told you he was going to do it, but you were not paying attention. And then Peter and John, and John they run to the tomb. They, they, it says that they saw the linens, the strip, strip of linens over there, and they didn't know what to believe. Still not remembered. And then Jesus finally appeared to them. Luke says that he appeared to the disciples for a period of, of 40 days every week. 
And then Jesus will say, peace be with you. Look, it's me. I'm here. Examine the evidence. If Jesus had not appeared to the disciples, we would not be preaching about him today. Because that's it. You know, it's like nobody saw him. So, okay. And you see, that's why we talked about the resurrection could not have been invented. Because, you know, it's, it's like... It, 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 cannot, it, it couldn't have been made up. It's, I mean, they saw, I mean, because they were not ready for that. And now that everything from coward disciples, now they're a brave missionary. What did that to them? What changed for them? The risen Jesus. The risen Christ. They saw him and ate with them. Jesus had breakfast. One day, they, Simon Peter was so discouraged. He said, I'm going to go fishing. Peter had not fished in three years. Those three years that he was traveling with, with Jesus. And then when Jesus died, he says, I'm going fishing. And then Nathaniel and some of the other guys says, we're going with you, Peter. And then, remember, they, they couldn't fish. <laughs> they didn't catch anything that night. And there's somebody walking on the beach. And it's like, hey, friends, did you catch anything? And then Jesus allowed them to catch a whole, a whole lot of fish. And then John says, I think it's the Lord. Peter gets ready and they come. To the shore. And by the time they get to the shore. Jesus already has some fire. Some bread and fish for them. Breakfast time. For the disciples. John 21. Remember that's when Jesus said to Peter. Simon Peter. Do you love me more than these? Yes Lord. You know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. And Jesus is commissioning Peter. Once again. It's like get back on track Peter. Because Peter probably thought. He's never forgive. He's never going to forgive me. Because I denied him three times. I even cursed. That I never knew the man. And then he never got a chance to apologize to Jesus. Jesus is dead. Then he's resurrected. And now he has an encounter. Jesus is going to talk to them by the, by the shore of the Galilean Sea. You love me more than these. He appeared to his disciples. He showed them. He ate with them. Showed them that he was truly alive. When people saw the risen Savior, they were never the same. He appeared to his followers to prove that he was truly who he claimed to be all along. The Savior of the world. And lastly, Paul says, he appeared even to me. Almost, almost like the last. Look at what Paul says. I mean, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle, he says. But lastly, as somebody. Verse 8. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle. For I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, he said. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it, whether then it was I or they, so we preach and you believed. Lastly, he appeared to me. Now, you see, Jesus appeared to his followers, those who believed in him. But when you think about Paul, he also appeared to a, he also appeared himself to, to a skeptic, somebody who did not believe in Jesus, somebody who opposed Jesus and anybody else who, who, who was with Jesus, anybody who represented Jesus, Paul, which his name was Saul before, opposed him. John, uh, Acts chapter eight, you know, when the church was flourishing, Paul decided to destroy the church. And, and, and you know, it says that. Everyone except the apostle were scattered. People were running away because Paul was going house to house, dragging Christians out, beating them and throwing them into prison. This is, this is the apostle Paul before he, he got to know Jesus. So he talks about, finally, Jesus appeared to me. 
Now, some of us that study the book of Acts, we know that what, what Paul is talking about. Acts chapter 9. He was going to a town called Damascus, north of Antioch, modern-day Turkey, somewhere there by the Mediterranean. He was going there to persecute Christians. He had letters of authority from Jerusalem, and he's going there far away to do that persecution, to arrest Christians, because he, he understood those people are so wrong, we have to put them all in jail. And if they don't comply, we're going to beat them up. So, and he got the, the power and the authority of the chief priest and, yeah, eliminate Christianity. So he's going there on the way to Damascus. says, as he's approaching the city, a light, a light shone and knocked him over. Whether he was riding on a horse or whatever, he's on the ground now. And he was, he was blinded for three days. And then he's there, like, you know, he said, and he heard a voice that says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And then he says, who are you, Lord? And then the voice says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And it's, I love that because persecuting Christians is persecuting God himself. It's persecuting Jesus. And then the voice says, now get up and go into the city. I'm going to show you what you must do. Paul gets, uh, the Bible says that the, those traveling with him, did not, they heard thunder. They didn't quite understand the voice. When he got out, he couldn't see. He goes into, into the city and there he's, he's staying. He did not eat or drink for three days. And then, uh, you know, blinded. And then there was a disciple named Ananias. And Jesus said, Ananias, go over there to the street, go straight. And there's a man named Saul. Pray for him. Ananias said, like, Lord, Saul? <laughs> that's, that's, I heard so much about that man. And you're sending me? Yes, go, because he's going to be an instrument. I'm going to show him how much he must suffer. And he's going to be an instrument, a voice to the Gentiles. That's when Paul, Jesus himself called the apostle Paul. Somebody who was a skeptic, did not believe in Jesus. And he opposed the resurrection. And I think, I think in my own estimation, I think Paul can be the greatest testimony of the Christian faith. Because this guy did not believe in that before. And what made him change? You guessed it. An encounter with Jesus. Amen. He, he said, lastly, he appeared to me. He did, he did not give us a lot of details, as I told you. Because going back to chapter 9. Like, you know, I'm untimely born. Like, I, I don't even deserve to be an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, he says. I was an enemy of Christianity. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Somebody who's sent now on a mission to represent Jesus. Oh, and by the way, in chapter 7 of Acts, the first, we call it the first martyr, the first person to die for the faith, Stephen or Stephen. You know, people were stoning him to death. And you know who was guarding the... The tunics and the, and the cloaks, Saul. Saul said, hey, just kill him. He approved of it. And he says that in chapter 22 of Acts when he's relating his testimony. He said, you know, when the first Christian died, I was there and I approved of it. I don't, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But you see, grace, he says, grace was shown to me. God gave me something I did not deserve. And I want people to understand that grace of God. And that's why I don't want to shut up about, I want to remind you of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That he was buried. That he was, he was raised on the third day according to the scripture. That he appeared to Peter and the apostles. And he, he even appeared to James. He talks about James. That's the half-brother of Jesus. That's another one who did not believe in Jesus. James did not believe in Jesus. You know, like as he's preaching the gospel. In fact, it was James... And, and, and what's the other, uh, James and Joseph, one of his brothers, that decided, hey, you need to stop this thing. 
And if you want to show yourself, go to the feast and show yourself to the world. And, and, John, and John, the writer says, they did not believe in Jesus. James, the half-brother of Jesus, believed in him later on. And this James that Paul is talking about became a leader in the Jerusalem church. Chapter 2 and chapter 15, when Paul comes with Barnabas, James is there. That's, that's the half-brother of Jesus. He's also the writer of the book of James. And Jude, the other half-brother of Jesus... They believe in, in Jesus after the resurrection. And Paul says he appeared to James. To more than 500 brothers. And lastly, he appeared to me. We've seen the risen Christ. And that's what changed everything. Because you see, the gospel without the resurrection is no gospel. The gospel without the resurrection. I mean, this is what's going to give us hope and life. I mean, why are we going to uh, talk about a man who's dead? You know, like so many of those uh, leaders of relig uh, religions like Muhammad... You can visit his tomb. I mean, you know, Buddha, Buddha. All those people died and they never came back to life. But the, the author of Christianity, he said he was going to die. He said he was going to rise and he did. And, and he appeared to people who did not believe in him and then changed the course of, of, of their, their journey, changed the course of history for them. From a skeptic to a missionary now. Who does that? Jesus Paul had an encounter with him. And he talked about how the Lord showed him grace. Because he did not deserve to be an apostle. Because he persecuted and opposed Jesus and the church. You see, Paul became a great ambassador for God of the, of the faith. And that's why I think he was so always eager to, to preach people. To tell him, to announce the gospel. I want you to know. I want to remind you of the gospel. To the Galatians. What are you guys doing? You turn into a different gospel that is not even gospel at all. Because they have removed Jesus from the center. Any gospel, or any good news that, that doesn't talk about Jesus, it, it, it's no good news. It's not the gospel. I always go back to Revelation chapter 3 when Jesus is knocking on the door of the church. And he's outside the church. I mean, we, we use that text like, oh, Jesus is always knocking on the door. you know. But it's not really evangelistic. The problem that, in, that lies in that text is that where is Jesus at? When you see in chapter 1 and 2, Jesus is at the center of the church. And now in chapter 3, one of the churches, he said, I'm outside knocking. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Why is Jesus outside the church? They kicked him out. I mean, hello. It's like, because they probably were doing all the things. There was a church that said, we don't need anything. We're rich. And Jesus said, you are poor, you're naked and wretched. He told him. Because it's like, you need to buy from me. It's like they have removed Jesus from the center. Amen. That's what we don't want to do in Staten Island Christian Church. I would say, if I'm going to preach something else, I tell God, just remove me. Because Jesus has to be the center of my preaching. He has to be the center of our lives. Amen. Otherwise, why are we doing this? Yes. Paul, uh, you know, he, yeah, he, he had an attitude with certain people. He, he was bold. But, you know, when I look at him, like, I always want to emulate his example. Like, how sold out he was for the cause of Jesus. Like, he was like, I mean, at one time he said, to me to live is Christ and die is gain. Like, I'm ready to go with the Lord. Like, you know, but as long as I live, I'm going to dedicate my life to fruitful labor to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was sold out for, for the sake of the gospel. No wonder Jesus said, he's going to carry my name to kings and rulers. And he did. He, he spoke before an emperor. And told, he, he even told him about Jesus. And the emperor said, Paul, you think that you're going to convince me in such, a, in, in such a short time to be a Christian? And he says, your majesty, 
I, I want you to become me except these chains because he was tied up right there when he's preaching. I mean, even though he's tied up, he was limited. He, he can still communicate and tell people about the gospel. He was so committed to spreading the good news. Philippians 1.21, he says, To me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And today, because of what I see going on in the world, and even in our own country, how so many churches, they have removed Jesus from their preaching. Now we preach about, you can do it yourself. You can, be a, you can become a better person. Messages like Joel's thing is all about, you know, you can do this. Uh, you know, oh, oh he, he already came for our mistakes and, and whatever. Like, they never talk about sin. You know, and, and it's like, Why? Because, you know, we're conforming to, to our culture. We're conforming to that. Like, and more than ever, I think we need to let people, to remind people what the gospel of Jesus Christ truly is. Because people are not preaching the gospels anymore. They're preaching something else. Do it yourself. Just your mind. You got the power to do that. Yeah. And where is Jesus in into all that? So I want to remind you the gospel of Christ, the message you heard, which you have believed, and you and I are standing in the promises of the gospel. But we got to take a stand on it. He said, I want to remind you the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he resurrected on the third day according to the scripture. And not just resurrection, he appeared to his disciples, he appeared to Peter, James, more than 12, more than 500. And lastly, he appeared to the apostle Paul and commissioned him to be an ambassador of the Of him. You see, it wasn't just Paul that was commissioned to, pro to broadcast and proclaim the gospel. You and I have been commissioned. After the resurrection, Jesus told the disciples, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them, teaching them that stuff, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And Mark, close to the gospel, his, his you know, uh, gospel, the gospel writers also biographies that they write about Jesus. You know, and, and in Roman world, you know, people always had a hero. So it's almost like they're talking about that, you know, when they would write a biography. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's what they attempt to do when they write the gospel according to John, the gospel according to Mark or Luke. So at the end of the gospel of Mark, he said, the words of Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So that's the task for you and I, to announce the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Math, uh, Mark 16, 15. He has commissioned all the followers to tell the world, to tell every nation about the great news of Jesus. That, you know, in Jesus, our sins are forgiven. In Jesus, we no longer need to be enemies of God. We're friends with God. In Jesus... God will look to you as sanctified, innocent, guiltless, you, you know, deserving heaven, all because of Jesus. That's, that's what the world needs to, to hear. But they need Jesus. You and I cannot work enough to go to heaven. Your good deeds are nothing before God. We need somebody, a mediator, somebody who comes between us and God. And that's what Jesus is, according to what Paul tell, uh, told Timothy. We have one mediator between God and man. The man, Jesus Christ, he's the go-betweener. That's why he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. We need to tell the world about the great news that in Jesus, there's transformation, there's salvation. The same Jesus who transformed the life of Paul, he can transform your life today. When you 
when you decide to place your trust, your faith in Him. Through the gospel has power to change and transform lives. Because it truly, it is the power of God for the salvation of anyone who believes. I don't know if you realize that. When you're telling people the gospel of Jesus, that news that you're communicating, man, that has power to transform life. And it's because that power is already operated by the Spirit. He's the one using you. All that you become is an instrument. And God is going to utilize your news, your story, through the gospel of Jesus to reach a dying world out there to reach those who do not have a relationship with Jesus. And that's why this morning I just wanted to remind you, like Paul says, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I wanted that, you know, one of my job is I don't want you to be in this church and, and somebody tomorrow asks you, what is the gospel? You say, well, nobody told us about, I never heard a sermon about the gospel. Now you, now you have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and we're standing on it. And by this gospel, you and I have been saved. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you so much for, for your goodness, for your grace toward us. Thank you that you loved us.